seats let's quickly get into our teaching for the day okay let's open our bibles to the book of um we have a number of references to read to start but let's start from the one we have been using again and again the book of romans chapter 10 let us start from the book of romans chapter 10 as we are speaking the word of god transformation is coming to our lives in the name of jesus things that were difficult are becoming easy in jesus name as a matter of fact, confusion is, that was in your heart is disappearing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, now let's start again from the book of Romans chapter 10. Um, I'll just jump down quickly to the area that we want to read from. We've been reading that again and again. Where we are really going is um, verse 17, but I'd just like to back up a bit. It said from verse... Um, um, let me just start from verse 11. I'll jump to us so saves time. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in mercies, riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He now said, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? He now said in verse 16, however, it was referring to a reference I just jumped. They did not all hear the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? That is, some people heard the word. Something, somebody was sent to them, but did not all hear the good news. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing. He said, by the word of God, word of Christ. I want to notice something. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I want to read that again. Faith comes from hearing and hearing, and that word is the word of Christ. I want to just say something which might strike you, if, all right, if you didn't notice it before. We often quote it as he said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I just noticed that my Bible uses the word, the word of what? Of Christ, you use the expression the word of Christ, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm emphasizing that one today because, yes, it is the word of God, but there is something about the word of God which is the word of Christ, and we're going to talk about it now. Remember, we've been saying this how does faith come? He said, Faith comes from hearing and hearing. That is, we emphasize that hearing and hearing is not just hearing and then hearing again and hearing again, that hearing and hearing is an attitude. Hearing and hearing is a kind of heart that approaches the word of God. It is not just that I have heard it before and I will hear it again and I will hear it again and I will hear it again. Even though that will happen if the person is a hearing hearer. We have distinguished between two kinds of hearers. There are those who are not doers. They are just mere hearers. James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. That is, they hear only once. They don't have this double hearing attitude. He said, be doers and don't be hearers only. So the first group of hearers are those that we call hearers only. And then the second group are the people that James called 
doers. And we said those people are the people that do the double hearing. They are the hearing hearers. They are the ones that are dedicated to the word of God. They are the ones that the word is their life. All right? That is, for them, the word is not just about um, religion. I'm a Christian, so I go to church. So they, as part of the uh, program, somebody has to preach. No. It is that if I am sick, I go to the word to go and find out why am I sick. If I'm healthy, I go to the word and go and find out what am I supposed to do if I'm healthy. Are you getting my point? For James said, if anyone, is anyone merry, all right, let him sing songs. There are things to do under certain circumstances, all right? He said, if any, is anyone sick, let him call upon the elders of the church. He gives instructions. So if I want to see what am I supposed to do at such times, I find the instruction in the word of God. If I'm discouraged, what do I do? I go to the scriptures and encourage myself in the Lord my God. Like James, like, like um, David did when he was in distress. All of these things are, a, are the characteristics or the manner of behavior of somebody who's a hearing hearer. He knows, she understands that the answer to all my problems, the answers are in the scriptures. So I dig in there until I find it. I'd like to give the example of a Bishop David Oyedipo. When he said, there's a story he's told many times, he said he, he, he thought about poverty, and uh, no, let's use his proper word, all right? He, talked, he thought about poverty, and, and he, he said this thing has to be broken. You know, he looked around, he said, well, how, how does prosperity come? He did not go to a business school. Most people would say, go to a business school to go and learn how prosperity comes. He did not do that. He did not go and ask for connection with people who are rich. He took his Bible, and he took a book, and he went on a retreat. He went and prayed and meditated on the word of God until he found it. Are you getting my point? What I want to bring out is the fact that he did not go somewhere else to look for the solution. He knew that the solution was in the scriptures. That's a hearing here. How do I get promoted? I'm in my office. Promotion is coming up. Things are happening. People say, how do you get promoted? You have to know people. You have to, who do you know? Let's sit down and negotiate. This is how you please the boss so that he will remember you. But the hearing hearer says, no, my solution is in the word of God. So if I'm not being promoted, promotion came this year, it, I, I missed it. What do I do? I start digging in the scriptures to find the answer. All right? Am I doing what is right? Am I in the right place? What is the reason? There is always, listen to this, the answer to every issue of your life is in this Bible. That is not a joke. Everything about your life is in the Bible. Do you know, you know, even when people die, we can answer it from the scriptures. When Saul died, the Bible told us why he died. And Saul died for the trespass he committed against the Lord his God. The Bible never, and when Saul died, it was a tactical error in battle. The Bible didn't talk, talk about that. When Ahab died, we find in the Bible why he died. Why did he die? God said, I want him to go to Ramos Gilead and die there. So how do we persuade him to go? We know the rest of the story. And the man who killed him just fired an arrow randomly. But we know why Ahab died. Every answer is in the Bible. Why was Moses born? There's an answer in the scriptures. Why was Jesus born? We know the story behind all right? The progression of the plan that culminated in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in life has an answer here. Why is Nigeria a nation like this? The answer is right here. Paul went to Athens 
and he saw them. He said, let me tell you about the unknown God. He said he created men, put them in nations. He said he wanted them to seek after him. He created their boundaries. That is, we know it's not Lord Lugard. If you are looking for answers anywhere outside the scriptures, you are not a true believer. You are still confused. If you go to the village meeting to go and discover what's wrong with your life, you are not saved yet. Your salvation is still very far. I hope you are getting the point I'm going to make here. A, a hearing hearer knows that everything in my life is answered in my Bible. So I don't read the scriptures because I, I want to have knowledge. You know, there are people who cram the Bible scriptures so that when they want to talk, they will have something to say. There are those who read the scriptures because they've given them time to pastor. They have to have something to say in church. So they're always studying. You think he's studious? No, it's more of his planning to preach. When we were school those days, uh, <laughs> we used to do strange things. We have some senior brothers that anytime you go to visit them, they will say, what is the Lord saying to you? So you know what we used to do? You want to go and visit them, you first make sure the Lord says something to you. The Lord is not saying anything to you. You just, just want something to say when you get to that place. So you take your Bible, read it properly. That is not a hearing hearer. Are you getting my point? Of course, the man asking the question, he was hoping that you are communicating with God all the time. And you have something that you are learning. So share with me. Now, those are habits of children, which was good for development, all right? But there are people who still behave like that till tomorrow. That's religion. That's not Christianity. A true believer, what is important is that, you know, when I take my Bibles, you know, let me tell you something. Because of my natural profession, you know what I mean, profession in the realm of physical things, all right? If a patient comes to a doctor, you know, he starts probing. You have a headache. When did it start? How is it? Which part of your head? How is the headache? Does it, you know, there are different characteristics of pain. He tells you. Then you say, okay, what makes it worse? Is it worse when you lie down on this side? On this side? Is it worse in the morning? Is it worse at night? What time of the day does it improve? He asks all those questions. Then, he starts ordering tests. Sometimes they go and do a CT scan. We put your head inside the machine <laughs> to find out whether there's anything inside. All of this, you know what he's trying to do? He's using the knowledge of natural things that he knows to find out what is wrong with your head. He's convinced that everything that I've been taught, I should be able to identify what is wrong with you. Yesterday I was reading in the news, in BBC News, the, med- the medical side of it, that they are beginning to suspect that nutritional deficiency may be the cause of migraine. I didn't have time to read it. And if you see the way they go about after it, they just believe that every answer is somewhere, is physical. We'll be able to locate it. Eventually, we'll find a gene. And if we don't find a gene, we'll manufacture one. Did you hear what I said? we do that. If you know the details of how we arrive at some of those things, you'll be shocked. But they, what I'm going to use, I want to illustrate the fact that the people are sure that this is where the answer is. For we believers, can be a doctor, doesn't matter. You know even if you find the answer in the genes, you know that is an expression of the real problem. The real problem is spiritual. So when you want to discover the origin of a problem, you spend time studying scriptures, meditating, praying, you understand? Folk that is trying to connect to what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's a hearing hearer. A hearing hearer knows that I did the first business, it collapsed. I did the second business, it collapsed. The third one is tethering, you know, is, is 
threatening now to collapse. It's on the edge. Someone that says, you know what? It's because you did not have an MBA. Then they start analyzing your business methods. A hearing here and knows that's not where it starts from. There has to be a spiritual reason why I failed the first time, failed the second time, and the third time I'm about to go down to something. There has to be a spiritual reason. The reason is not physical. If you watch the weather, they'll tell you about El Nino. They'll tell you about, um, they don't talk about ozone layer now because they said they've solved the ozone layer problem. But there's global warming. <laughs> Can I digress? You know, I like to digress to educate people. Global warming is the greatest fraud of this generation. Believe me, it is the greatest fraud. Saying this and releasing this information to the public, as my opinion, it has classified me. I know. They call us naysayers. They say ozone layer, not ozone layer, global warming. That why is the, the globe warming? It's because you are using motor cars, and you are burning fire bushes, and you are burning and you are consuming hydrocarbons, you are releasing carbon dioxide into the air. You know the truth? It's not true. Now, I'm not going to sit down here and be arguing um, physical sciences. But in the world, we know the scientists don't all agree. Half of the scientists are on one side, the other half are on the other side. The only ones you hear are the ones that the politicians wanted to hear. So when they want to manipulate um, public opinion, because if they don't do that, they will not research into alternatives to hydrocarbon. And if you don't have alternatives, the Arabs will have too much power in the world for a very long time. So they silence those who say the opposite. That's what I told you is a matter of fact. But this is the issue. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to get into the arguments of whether this is true. But the point I want to bring is, even if the scientific facts are there, we know that Elijah can look, global warming or no global warming, he said there will be no rain. And that's it, <laughs> no rain. They know the truth. Let me tell you something. Okay, let me give you another illustration. Sodom and Gomorrah, I've done a bit of research reading about it. You know how God killed, of course, you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. God decided that their sins, their iniquity, all right, was too heavy. For that reason, he's going to destroy the whole place. So he said, let me come down and look. And when he finished looking, he said, why did he destroy the place? I couldn't count ten righteous people. The reason why the place is going down is because I can't find ten righteous people in a number of, well, today's um, language, in a number of big towns. Okay, those are the usual cities. I can't find 10, so I'm going to destroy the place. Now, this is what happened. There was a volcano that erupted and spilled all the magma and all the sulfur, sulfur into that area and buried the place with sulfur and molten magma and killed everybody. The sulfur content is so much, nothing grows there till today. Even bacteria find it hard to survive. In the days of the Lord Jesus, it was a way of speaking about how bad a place is, how barren a place is. He said, were it not for the, that the Lord has showed mercy to us, would have been like Sodom, would have been like Gomorrah. It was his landmark. Because God destroyed the place and dried it up, it became totally, you know, unproductive. There is a scientific explanation for what happened. There was an earth tremor, an earthquake, 
it broke open the mouth of a volcano that had pressure inside. The thing spilled all the contents, you know, into the air, and it rained. When I say it rained, it didn't come out from Mars or from the outer space. Yeah, the thing went into the air from one mountain and then fell upon the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the scientific explanation. If they want to do geological studies, if they want to find out what happened, those things will be found. You can dig the place, you see the human beings, how they were cremated, or how they were frozen, whatever it is, you see it, line by line. You see the thick layer of sulfur that came from the volcanoes. You will find everything. Then the scientific man will say to you, what happened? He interpreted it as a geological accident. That is what I'm saying. There was a time, Korah, Dasam, and Abiram, they offended Moses, and Moses was so angry. Very difficult to provoke. But that one, he was angry. And he said, they won't die natural death. You know what happened? The earth opened, and they entered inside. Do you know, the earth still opens to today, and people are still entering. So you will not be able to persuade an average scientist that that thing was not an accident. Because the phenomenon is known. Sinkholes happen all the time. Our sinkholes happen all the time. Just, follow, if I just go home, Google it, sinkholes. You'll see it happens all the time. So there is, most of the time, a physical explanation for the things that we see. But those who don't understand think that is where it began. Assuming you are going on the road, and this has happened before. This really happened. One doctor, in, when I was in Lagos, he was going on the road, he felt something warm on his back. So he touched it. You know what it was? Blood. Somebody had shot him in the head. In Mushi. He was just walking in Mushi in the evening. Just felt something warm on his back. And so he touched. Looked. It was blood. Next thing checked, there were pellets holes all over his head. The velocity was not bad enough to enter into his skull. He penetrated his skin, hit the skull, but he didn't go beyond that. So they took him to casualty, treated him. Now, let me ask you a question. Did it cross your mind at all that those bullets fell from Mars? I don't know where you're getting my point. I'm going somewhere. Did, did this, no, he didn't see anybody. He didn't hear a gunshot. The bullet was far from far away. It was towards the end of their travel that they hit him in his head as he was passing. He did not die. I know people that, that have died. I've heard of it. I may not know personally. And nobody ever heard the gunshot. It was a stray bullet. But do you know, it doesn't cross our minds to say the bullet came out of nothing. I don't know what you're getting what I'm saying. Because we understand bullets. We know they have to be fired. We know somebody has to pull a trigger. We may not know who, but we know that's what happened. In the same manner, Many of the things that the world sees, they are the bullets. Somebody pulled the trigger. Are you getting my point? The sinkhole is a bullet that, that swallowed Dasan, Korah, Abiram, and their families. That's a bullet. But somebody pulled the trigger. The earthquake, the volcanic eruption that buried Sodom and Gomorrah, that's a bullet. Somebody pulled the trigger. The hearing here, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just somebody who does the word. It's somebody who understands that if Sodom and Gomorrah drowns in a sea of burning sulfur, if we open the scriptures, we will find out who drowned them. Are you getting my point? 
they are not satisfied with natural explanation. They always go into the scriptures to know their explanation. Can I tell you a story? I heard somebody, one man of God said that, this was Ken Hagen, I tell a lot of stories, I listen to him a lot. He said once he went to the toilet, he wanted to ease himself, and he found, of course, he peed blood. You get my point? I think it was in his 50s or 60s that time. He wanted to ease himself to the toilet, and it was blood that came out. Ah, natural thing, what happens is, call the doctor. Call the doctor. Why is this man peeing blood? And I can tell you, from my understanding of pathology, I can give you many reasons. Maybe the old man traveled to North Africa and he con- contracted the schizosomiasis. Maybe. Maybe, oh, no, he had the bladder, as, he had the, what do you call it, frosted enlargement that underwent um, necrotic changes, then ruptured into the bladder. Now he's bleeding. These are normal explanations. Oh, no, we have to do a cystoscopy, whether we'll see some bladder growth. We find a bladder growth, we scrape them, and carry it to the pathologist. Let's see whether it's a transitional cell carcinoma. Or more. <laughs> Things did there. Okay, okay, I forgot another commoner one. Maybe he has a severe case of cystitis. Or maybe, no, no, it's in the kidneys. Stories. The man didn't go to all of this. He went and prayed said, God, what is happening? And the Holy Spirit said something to him straight. I warned you, never think about opening a church in Rima Bible Training Center. He said all he did was to think of the idea. He didn't plan it. He just said, well, maybe we should have a church here. Next time we went to the toilet, blood started flowing. He said, Lord, I'm sorry. The blood stopped. He said, the Lord said to him, don't even think about it. I don't want the thought to cross your mind. So if you think he didn't start a church, he, it was not just for obedience to God. It was for love of his bladder. <laughs> to maintain urinary flow, He personally refused to do that. That is, the man understands that if you do not circumcise your plans in life, you might die after God commissions you into ministry. That's a hearing here. Once, about two, twice. First one, a man of God died, and I was talking to somebody. He said, this is the problem. They should have bought the man a good car. Why did he die? Because if he had a decent car, it was an accident. That car, story, 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 story. And I was looking at the person talking to me. As a man of God died, you say it's because of the quality of his car. A child of God never dies because of a bad vehicle. Bad vehicle is too inferior, too small to kill a child of God. Impossible. And that one, somebody died. And one of the people there called me and said, please, let's talk about it. What do you think about his diet? What was it like? As a man of God died, you're talking about his diet. Diets don't kill men of God. Here in here, we know that the source of all of this is their spiritual. Something is happening in the realm of the spirit. That is where these things are happening. So when we want to solve problems, that's where we start from. That is where we start from. I remember I was, I, 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 then I was in Luth. I, for some time, I wasn't feeling well. Very long story. Something happened. You know, I read things very spiritually. I wasn't feeling well for some time, so I prayed about it and everything. So one day, Something may just say, Bang, forget this thing. It's not malaria that's disturbing you. But I said, maybe it's malaria. And I used to do one strength in those days. I could give myself injections. Not a big deal. The days of chloroquine. So I just bought chloroquine. I mean, doctor, what's the big deal? Just, um, I just bought chloroquine injection, went to my room. I've done it before. It's not the first time. 
So when they see me, me, what I run from is tablets. Tablet scares me. Injections never scare me. I just be like, as a little boy, I couldn't swallow the tablets. So I would take, I'd rather take 10 injections than stand two tablets. That was just my problem. Don't ask me why. You know, some people like some things. Some people don't like the other ones. My, when we were young, my father would beat me to swallow Ketrax. It wouldn't enter my mouth. With beating them, the warming agent. Just take this ordinary combatant. I wasn't being stubborn. I just couldn't swallow it. When it gets here, my, my throat will shut down. I don't. So I grew up being very comfortable with injections. Very, very comfortable. He said, that many six, bring it. I'll just turn my back for you like this. Are you done? They want this other side, no problem. I remember once I was, this, 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 this is not about me, just this One day I was in a clinic. When I was young, I was taking injection, and my mother was there. So she looked at me, and I smiled. And one boy that was next in line, you know, did you ever go to hospitals those days? You were, you were on the queue to be slaughtered. Are you getting my point? <laughs> the boy that was next in line to be slaughtered after me, you know, his mouth opened. He didn't believe somebody could be collecting injections and smiling. Because my mom was there. I, I just looked at my mom and I smiled. And they were like, is this guy real? <laughs> so when I became a doctor, so you can be sure that I never feared injection one day. I don't care how painful it was. It was not a big deal for me. So that day I decided to give myself injection. Some interesting thing happened. Normally if you want to give injection into the muscle, all right, into your bone, First thing the doctor or the nurse does is to pull out. They always do that. Why? The injection must not mistakenly be thrown into a vessel. Because if they do that, the dosage that hits your system at a time may be too high. Your heart can just (laughs) malfunction. Something terrible may happen. So they are very careful with that. So you are trained to do it. First they put the needle in. They pull it out. Make sure there's no blood coming. It has to go into the tissue. All right? So and I'm... I'd given, as medical students, we gave injections left, right, and center. As a doctor, I'd, I did it as a house officer. I mean, it was my job as a youth copper. I mean, I'd said somewhere in the bush, I did everything. This one was a resident doctor. For the first time in my life, I tried to give myself an injection. I said this thing, <laughs> that spiritual problem. No be, no be malaria. I put the needle in, pulled the thing out, blood just filled the syringe. I said, thank you, Lord, I get the point. I just removed the sin, rubbed the place, threw the syringe, all the other medicine, threw everything to dust me. Say, okay, you don't like it like that. I threw away everything, panadol, look, whatever it is, I discarded them. That was, for me, was just a simple sign. I said, God said, this is not what will cure you. So what did that I do? Eh? What would a Christian do? I took my Bible. I began to read. I just settled down. I began to study. And pray every day. I was weak. I was really, really feeling bad. I lost weight plenty in a few weeks. Because it lasted nothing less than four weeks. I just dragged myself to work. Get my work done. I lost it because I could not eat. I had no appetite. When I get back home in the evening, I'll sit down, carry a Bible, read, get a message, listen, listen till I fall asleep. I did that for a week so. So finally, of course I was getting better bit by bit. So later on, one, there was one house officer then was in my department that time. He said, hey, chief, how are you feeling? I said, I'm fine now. He said, what did you take? I said, um, don't worry about it. He said, what did you take? I said, nothing. He said, why? I said, it was not a spiritual. I said, it was not malaria. It was nothing like that. I said, it was a spiritual. Problem. I needed to doze up on the word of God. The guy looked like, like is this guy okay? <laughs> he looked at me straight like, I said, chief, 
I'm sure if I was his mate, he would have told me one or two things. But because I was his senior, he just looked at me like, is this guy, is this guy all right? But I just a matter of fact, I said, listen, forget that thing that it was just I needed to doze up on God's word. That then, I, I was like, it was my way of realizing that this boy, you've been occupied by too many things. So you have weakened spiritually. And it's now manifesting physically. So that's why I think today, if I'm not feeling well, I can't remember when last I took a tablet because I'm not feeling well. I can't remember. I don't know how many years. If I'm not feeling well, I lie down first. So, okay, what is all this problem now? First, most of the time, I need, it, I need to rest. Another time, okay, when last you sit down to study and learn? Ah, I said, it's been a while. I've just been there talking, 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 talking. I don't know where I get my point. That's, I'm, dis- I'm describing a hearing hearer. A hearing hearer is not, and, and it do the same thing. It doesn't just mean that I obey something I read. No. It means I know this is life. The way the doctor will be checking, is your liver enlarged? Is your kidney enlarged? What is wrong with your heart? The hearing hearer starts first from the spiritual angle. Takes the scripture and starts reading. And starts discovering that, oh, oh I've been disobeying this. I, I give the example all the time. The Bible tells us that one of the things that prolong life is honoring parents. Honor. It's a spiritual key to long life. So no young man dies by accident. Why did he travel that day? No. Like I keep on saying, if he was going to die that day and he doesn't travel, the house will collapse on his head. There's nowhere to hide the day when, the de- when death comes. There's nowhere to hide. I've seen a young boy who died sleeping and he died from a bullet wound in his bedroom and nobody broke into the room. When I was contacted to find out what killed the little boy, it was like 12. I said, this is a falling bullet. Many people don't know that they are falling bullets. Bullets falling kill people. They must have fired some high-velocity bullets into the air. And it dropped on their roof. So when I told them, they went back to the house and checked. And literally, they saw the hole. The boy was sleeping at night, alone in the room, and suddenly he shouted for his mother. His mother rushed in and saw him bleeding from the neck. They covered the wound, everything. They ran out of the hospital. He bled till he died. He was inside his room at night. Nobody broke him. The bullet that killed him fell through the roof. It happens. It happens. No, in many states in the U.S., shooting into the air is banned. It's against the law. They send you to prison if you shoot into the air. Killed the chief bridesmaid in Asaba about 10 years ago. They were dancing. They go give Mopo a drink. No, they have Mopo guarding the place. Maybe they're important people. So out of excitement, one of them released it. Into the air. The bullet dropped on the chief bridesmaid's head. And killed her. No, there, on the spot. She was you know, picking money. You know, they were spraying money. Next, the girl collapsed. And that's it. So they said the Mopo shot her. I said, no, 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 no. When I heard it later, I said, no, he didn't. He fired into the air. And the dropping bullet hit her. Death is interesting. You can't hide in your house and say, I don't want to die. Some people say, I won't fly because I don't want to die. <laughs> Listen, more people die on the ground than in the air. I'm not kidding about that. I'm, see, statistics show that you have a higher risk of, of dying on the way to the airport. Yeah, I'm not joking. The statistics show that you have a higher chance 
of dying on the way to the airport than dying in a flight from that airport. The head of, um, what's the name of the French uh, uh, the, um, uh, oil company? The former, the former MD died in Russia trying to take off in a private jet. You know what happened? The man who was driving the snow plow was drunk or something, ran into the plane. But they died on the ground. It's registered as a, a, an air crash. But actually he died in a road traffic accident inside the airport. Once the plane hits the air, it is extremely difficult for it to crash. People don't realize it. That is why every crash is reported. It's unusual. People don't realize it. It is more... What, why am I teaching that one? It's not part of... But you know, we educate people on everything. I read the analysis once, and they showed that the reason why it's like that is that, number one, airplanes are maintained 10 100 times better than your car. The maintenance regimen is tough. On top of that, when you are driving your car, only you drive. But when you are flying a plane, the pilot is flying, the machines inside there are checking whether he's doing the right thing, and they don't get tired. So usually if there's nothing to do, they say, leave the controls. The machine fly for him for hours. And people on the ground are checking whether he's flying properly. They have like four different safety checks. That's why planes don't crash easily. But some people say, no! <clears throat> if you enter a plane now, you just die. Because they've seen people that die in plane crashes. Do you know? It's a one whole family. That's how they were in a plane and they died. I can tell you many families that tankers crushed in their vehicle. Some of them are in their sitting room. Tanker came in there, hit the, car, the sitting room, crushed the house, set the house on fire, and killed them and their neighbors. You can't hide. Listen, let me just, let me just quickly dispense of that. Don't refuse to go somewhere because you want to live long. Death is not an accident. I hope you're getting my point. I will never go on that road again. It's dangerous. Listen, better go on that road. Your house is more dangerous. Jesus promised protection mostly for those who are going somewhere. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Don't read the scriptures well. He told them clearly. They said, ah! That's that Luke chapter 10. When they're talking about, they saw this, this one happened, this one happened. He said, listen, he sent them on a mission. He said, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over the, all the works of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you while they were on this mission. He said, no, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. He said, this is the heritage of the servants of God, those who are serving. No sons of God. Let me get back to what I'm trying to say. So we understand. That's hearing hearer. A hearing hearer is not just somebody, or a dwell of the world is not just somebody who has scripture to read and try to obey. No. It's somebody who knows that if there is disease, the cause is here. Ebola is not a virus. It's according to scripture, it's a plague. Everything that happened to Egypt, you know there was a scientific explanation for every one of them. But we know that they were not happenstances. They were not things that just happened because, you know, of natural events. It was because Moses raised his hand. It was because he said, Thus is the Lord, let my people go. If you don't let them go, I will kill your firstborn. You think the, the firstborn that died, if you... you 
modern day doctors will gather them to come and do autopsies, they will find out the plague that targeted a particular kind of chromosome that's only found in firstborns. We invent a new name for it, the kind of epigenetic modification that will cause only to firstborns. And that was why I allowed that virus to move from house to house. And they afflicted many people, but only killed the firstborn. You will notice, by the time they finish, you write publication on it, a man become professor. <laughs> Going around telling you that the plague in Egypt was spontaneous. A hearing hearer is not like that. A hearing hearer understands that no matter what I see physically, there is a spiritual explanation. And if I want to contact that explanation, I pick the scripture with prayer. Believing the Holy Spirit open my, my, my eyes and my understanding. I go to the word of God and I start looking for the reason inside God's word. That's a hearing here. Back to it. That is the kind of person that God pours his spirit into. The spirit of faith. Faith is not a function of knowledge. The amount of information you have in your heart. No. No. That's why Abraham is the father of faith. He didn't have scripture the way we have it today. Do you know that? Did he have a Bible? The Old Testament was not yet written. Yet these people were the fathers of faith. Why? Faith is not a derivative of the amount of scripture you have read. No. It's a spiritual substance that you can receive if your heart is right. Like I said before, why do we read scripture? Of course, that is the word of God to us. We are privileged. We won't say because Abraham didn't have it, we will not relax. No. If Abraham had it, he would have read it. Are you getting my point? The heart of Abraham would have gone after the scripture if he had it. Now that we have it, we know it's our source of life. So he says, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your... He said, do not let them depart from your sight. New American Standard. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Or literally, medicine to their flesh. Now we're looking at how faith comes. How do I get faith? You understand? We know the importance of it. And I've explained that it is this kind of person that God, God pours faith into that heart. And we've been looking at that. Now, what I want to say, you know, last time I said I'm going to pick up from the issue of can I pray for faith? Okay? Very important. Now, I want us to... Um, um, oh, how do I do this? How do I do this? I have two things I want to say. Oh, my time has really gone. I spent so much time on that. Okay, now, let me just read a few scriptures. I still want to talk about that issue of... Um, um, can I pray for faith? But anything is not settling on my heart now. So, let's leave it. And then I'll just go to the next thing that I want to say. Now, let's read these two particular portions of the Bible, which we have read here again in the course of these teachings on faith. Let's open to the book of um, Matthew chapter 8, and then we'll just use Matthew alone and Matthew chapter 15. Remember, what I've been trying to say, what I've, what I've been trying to emphasize is, our, is that it's our attitude to life, our attitude to the Word of God, that decides whether we can receive faith or we can't. That's what I've been trying to emphasize. We said faith comes by hearing and hearing. And they said that is related to the word of Christ. We have looked at that. And I said it earlier that I'm going to emphasize something about that word of Christ as we go on. Now, I want us to read again from the book of Matthew chapter... What, what did I say? Chapter 8 and, okay, and then 15. 
want want to read the story of the centurion, and then we'll look at the story of the woman that was praying for her child. The book of Matthew chapter 8. Let's read that one first. Let's start from verse 5. The Bible says that when Jesus came, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. He said, in verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am, he said, for I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now notice verse 10. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. He said, I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And as a result, the servant was healed that very moment. My emphasis is that Jesus looked at this man and said, Your faith is so great, I have not seen any faith like this in Israel. Bear that in mind. But one thing you should just quickly bear in mind before I leave it is that he was not praying for himself. He did not need a car. He did not need a house. He was not even sick. Alright? It was just his servant that he loved very much that was sick. And he came to the Lord to beg for that servant. And the Lord poured faith. The good Lord poured great faith into his heart so that the Lord Jesus was marveled at the depth of the intensity of the faith he found in the heart of this person. Quickly again, go to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Just flip down a few pages. Now, this one again is the same, is a story we all know very well. The Bible says from verse 22, a certain, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out saying, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. And he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him saying, send her away because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down. Before him saying, Lord help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Lord, he said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Now notice that. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed again at that very moment, at once. Now, I have read this to point out again. One, this Syrophoenician woman, we find from another portion, all right, the Canaanite woman, but the emphasis is that she was not an Israelite. She was not somebody who understood scripture the way you, you and I know it. She probably did not have any teaching on faith. Incidentally, when you read the Old Testament, the word faith is very, very infrequently used. 
you will find it mostly is in New Testament that from the beginning to the end, faith, 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 faith is talked about throughout. You will notice it there. This woman probably didn't have any education on that matter. Oh, you get my point. She did not. That's that, that the centurion possibly was also like that. He was a Roman. Did not know exactly what, all these deep teachings of faith that you and I know today. Okay? Yet, both of these people, alright, this man and this woman, the Lord Jesus looked at them and said their faith was great. They did not read any book on faith. Nobody taught them the seven principles of acquiring great faith. Yet, in fact, and I'm, I'm very convinced, they did not even know they had faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They were not even aware that they had faith. They just had the simplicity of desire and a commitment to the source of help. That woman could not be offended. She spoke. She was there for a long time. Jesus did not answer her. It was the disciples that got tired and said, this harassment is too much. Send her away. Give her an answer. And what was the answer the Lord Jesus gave to her? That Yusuf check him. Like we say here. He said, it is not right to give the children's food to dogs. What was he trying to say? He said, I was sent only to the house of Israel. He said, for that reason, they are the children. And you now asking me, you're one of the dogs. And it was clear. And the woman said, I accept. He said, but when the children eat, don't cross, fall down. I did not come for a portion of the children's bread. I accept my condition. Are you getting what I'm going to explain? You know why? She was convinced this is the source of help. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's like you're desperately sick. A doctor, he's the only one that can treat. You get to his house, he's not around. He'll come back in three days. 